more discussion later on. So we have one more talk. Uh, Leon Alkali, also at JPL, uh, <clears throat> is going to be looking forward to the future and opportunities for uh, future landed, uh, sorry, future lunar missions. <clears throat> My name is Leon Alkali, and I want to I want to thank you all for staying uh, for the last presentation. So, um, <clears throat> frankly, I did not pick the title for this. Uh, Somehow the organizers did. Uh, it's a huge, um, huge topic, plans and opportunities. Um, so I'm going to just try and address that uh, uh, partially and, and discuss some of the work that I've been doing. Uh, over the past 10 years, I've been uh, working at JPL on uh, exclusive, almost exclusively um, lunar robotic mission formulation. And so I'll present some of those results and some of the, the uh, ideas and outlook uh, for the future. Um, I'll explain this picture at the end, but you can kind of uh, uh, enjoy it for a moment, and then uh, I will conclude actually with this uh, vision of what it is, is a lunar robotic uh, village that I'm uh, eager to advocate. So uh, before we get there, let me kind of give you uh, a little bit of an introduction. So um, I've been fortunate to work at JPL on a number of lunar uh, mission concepts. Uh, I've been part of the uh, mission formulation, uh, solar system uh, uh, mission formulation program office. Uh, Brent Sherwood is here in the uh, audience, and Kim Ray was here earlier today. Both of them are in the in the same program office, and we've been working on a number of these mission concepts together for a number of years. Um, I first got into the business uh, about 10 years ago uh, with a uh, mission concept called Moonlight. In fact, uh, I have um, a, a lot to uh, credit uh, Goddard Space Flight Center for, for getting me into this business. It was about 10 years ago that uh, Maria Zuber uh, from MIT and Dave Smith from Goddard uh, had uh, uh, planned to do a lunar uh, uh, mission. They had a very ambitious uh, concept to do a, a high-resolution mapping of the moon and uh, use optical communication to get all the data back from the moon. And they went to Al Diaz uh, at the Goddard, who was the center director. And in 2003, just so you know, uh, uh, Al Diaz uh, told them that Goddard is not in the lunar business and that they should go to JPL. So uh, that's what they did. They called uh, Charles Zalachi. Charles Zalachi uh, welcomed them. And uh, I was in uh, a career transition. I was actually looking to uh, change careers at JPL from a technology development career. And I was interested in doing mission concepts, so I interviewed with Maria Zuber, and I told her I've never done anything like this before, and she said, you're it. And um, so, uh, so that was the, my beginning, and uh, this was uh, proposed to uh, Discovery 10 uh, competition. Um, if you recall, Discovery 10 did not uh, pick a mission concept for implementation, but they did pick uh, a, a mission of opportunity, which was M-Cube. Um, so that, uh, that was a, a very uh, interesting um, experience, a lot of uh, uh, exciting work uh, with uh, working closely with Maria Zuber and, and, and Dave Smith and, and others. Uh, after that, uh, we proposed uh, a Grail, and so I was the proposal manager and, and later what we call capture lead uh, for Grail. Uh, I consider it very successful both from a formulation point of view and certainly from a, from a science uh, point of view. And then, um, in uh, the period of 2005 to 2012, uh, we worked on Moonrise, and we're still working on Moonrise, and 
Barbara Cohen is here as a co-I on, on, on Moonrise. Mike Duke was the um, PI in 2005, and then uh, he retired, and uh, Brad Jolliffe, who was the deputy PI, is now the PI for Moonrise, which was proposed uh, in the next, in the, in the uh, New Frontiers, um, both two and, and three. So it was not selected for implementation, but it was, uh, it completed uh, both times a phase A study, which means both times it was in the finals uh, of the competition. Um, in parallel to GRAIL, and I'll, I'll describe this in more detail, um, I was working on a mission concept called LUNET. And LUNET is a mission concept to send a network of landers to the moon. And I'll describe that a little bit uh, better. This was uh, also proposed last discovery round by um, Clive Neal <coughs> as a discovery uh, proposal. Um, at the same time that LCROSS was competing for the uh, uh, impactor mission, JPL had a lunar impactor proposal, and we were in the finals uh, competing with LCROSS, and LCROSS uh, beat uh, JPL in this competition and did a, a good job of implementing the mission. But we had our own uh, impactor that was based on an ESPA ring that we were uh, proposing as a, as a mission concept. That was in, in 2006. And finally, I'll describe a little bit more uh, another study with, with, that we did, and this one is perhaps the most relevant to this uh, workshop, a study called Miranda. Miranda, which I always forget what the acronym is, but it's in the, one of the charts. Um, it is a, uh, a mission concept where we, we wanted to determine not only the presence in situ, but the abundance of water uh, uh, on the moon. So there was a, a clear need to do long-term traversal and reaching into deep uh, uh, craters, cold traps, and so on. So we put together a mission concept uh, to, to do that. So these are um, just some of the highlights. This does not complete the, the full picture of all the mission concepts we've been uh, working on over the past 10 years. And I've, I, I, I'm sure I left out something, but uh, I kind of went through a further list of different mission concepts and different capabilities that we've been looking at. We've been uh, spending a lot of resources on just sample acquisition and transfer systems. This particularly is applicable to a moonrise kind of a mission. Moonrise is a sample return from the South Palakan Basin. So a lot of capability went into developing uh, a uh, end effector, a robotic arm, and a scoop to sieve and collect samples. We've been looking at a various uh, a suite of landers, small landers, large landers, hard landers, soft landing, powered descent, uh, hazard avoidance, nuclear powered landers, and rovers. We've been looking at subsurface accessibility through penetrators, uh, drills, heat flow probes, surface mobility. We've been also looking at CubeSats. Uh, Rob mentioned CubeSats. Uh, we've been studying uh, CubeSats for uh, lunar exploration. In 2005, we published work on a uh, gravity mapping CubeSat using um, uh, corner cube uh, reflectors. And then we've been, uh, it's, no, uh, it's pretty obvious that there's a huge international interest in, in lunar exploration. I've listed only some of the topics here that JPL's been involved with, and certainly other NASA centers have been doing a lot of uh, work with international partners. There's been a mission concept called Moonlight that the UK Space Agency has been working on together with Surrey Space Systems to put an orbit around the moon and deploy uh, probes, multiple probes that would plant a uh, seismic uh, sensor uh, in uh, a few meters under the surface of the moon. 
Um, uh, we've uh, had a proposal with uh, ESA and CNES and IPGP on a network of landers called Farside, with the Germans on Lunar uh, Exploration Orbiter and so on, working with um, uh, uh, the Indian Space Agency, the Canadians, uh, the Russians, Japanese, and more recently the Koreans have shown a strong interest in going uh, to the moon. They briefed uh, JPL and Ames and Goddard uh, just uh, uh, a few weeks ago. And um, uh, I thought I'd uh, list, uh, not that anybody here needs reminding, but just in the last 10 years, and I hope I didn't leave out anything, but uh, in 2003, uh, let's not forget the, the ESA had the SMART-1 uh, mission, then we had Chang'e, Selene, Chandrayaan, and uh, with MCUBE and Minisar, LRO, LCROSS, uh, and so on, Grail, and I put here Laddie with all the best of luck in, on September 6th. Uh, so there's been a lot of acti activity uh, at the moon and certainly a lot to show for it, a lot of good uh, uh, science uh, at the moon. Uh, so let me just go through uh, some of those uh, uh, mission um, uh, concepts that we've been working on over the year, including uh, GRAIL, and then I'll f uh, finish with some uh, forward-looking um, uh, mission concepts. So GRAIL uh, it was actually uh, quite a, um, a, a big... Uh, uh, win for, for the lunar community and, and certainly for JPL and MIT and, 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 and Goddard uh, in the sense that it was clearly not a uh, uh, front-runner or a likely uh, winner in the, in the discovery competition. It was not uh, at all evident that a single focused science measurement of gravity uh, at the moon would rise to the occasion of being selected for a discovery uh, uh, competition. So we're very happy that that, uh, that, that, was, uh, that that threshold of achieving uh, science, uh, uh, um, uh, the discovery science, was achieved uh, through GRAIL. GRAIL uh, was uh, remarkable in, in, in many ways. Uh, it actually took the mission concept from the mission called GRACE at the Earth of measuring gravity uh, around Earth and kind of transplanting that mission concept from Earth uh, to the moon. Uh, and um, for the, the, the longest time, we, we couldn't come up with a creative name like Grail, and we did that in the last moment, and it was uh, referred to as Grace at the Moon. Um, so, and then a lot of heritage was also in the spacecraft. Lockheed Martin uh, was able to use the XSS-11 spacecraft to, to do the, the science. So altogether, it used the mission concept that was demonstrated at Earth, the spacecraft that was also demonstrated at Earth, and there were additional capabilities to make sure that the gravity can be done, gravity recovery can be done um, at the moon. But it was uh, not at all uh, a likely uh, candidate to win. Uh, uh, at the time, it was competing actually against the Cyrus-Rex from Goddard and um, uh, Vesper uh, 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 as well. Moving on, uh, Moonrise uh, is a lunar sample return mission concept at this point, or a proposal. It's already been through two phase A studies, and um, uh, it's uh, a mission to robotically go to the far side of the moon, to the South Palaikin Basin, uh, land uh, robotically. Uh, the critical events are being relayed through a, 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 an orbiter, and uh, spend the lunar day uh, on the surface uh, of the moon, uh, sample up to uh, a, a kilogram of, uh, of rock fragments from the uh, regolith, uh, put it in a sample return capsule, and then bring the, uh, the samples uh, uh, back to Earth. 
This has been already twice proposed in New Frontiers. Uh, unfortunately, twice it has not been selected, uh, but a lot of investment has been made in maturing the concept. In fact, JPL does have a very high fidelity testbed uh, in place where um, uh, we even have uh, high fidelity simulations of the lighting conditions, a very high fidelity testbed with lunar regolith uh, simulant uh, down here. And this is a full scale uh, lunar lander. It's about uh, uh, this uh, over six feet tall. And uh, this is a, uh, a, a camera contributed by, by DLR, by Germany, uh, stereo camera. This is the uh, robotic arm. It can reach uh, out uh, over two meters. And this is the um, end effector that is able to scoop and sieve and collect uh, rock fragments in a specific range that the uh, uh, science team wants to uh, collect. Over here is a canister. So the samples are collected inside the canister. This uh, capsule um, uh, opens up and the canister is transferred into the sample return capsule. And this is the ascent vehicle that's uh, uh, on top of the uh, lander. The capability of this lunar lander is to deliver to the surface of the moon about a, uh, a ton of payload. If you consider the ascent vehicle and the sample return capsule, everything that's on the uh, lunar ascent vehicle as a potential payload, then the capability of this lunar lander is to deliver about 1,000 kilograms to the surface of the moon. This is something that uh, certainly if Moonrise were to be uh, selected by the New Frontiers uh, program, that a follow-on mission or reuse of such a lander could uh, deliver uh, Jerry's uh, uh, ISRU unit easily with margin. Uh, this is just a little bit more detail. You can ignore these dates. This was from the last proposal. But this is uh, a mission concept, uh, the mission uh, overview of uh, Moonrise. Uh, it has the uh, orbiter and it has the lander. It it's a, uh, has a solid rocket motor to stage the, the, the braking burn and then a powered descent. And uh, it spends uh, about 10 days on the surface uh, of the moon, collects the samples, uh, and then uh, launches the ascent vehicle uh, back to Earth. Um, and there's a, the, the sample return capsule is, uh, is deployed much like Genesis and, and Stardust. So this mission concept, as I said, has already been matured uh, sufficiently. Uh, it's been through uh, two uh, uh, phase uh, A studies. I mentioned Lunette. I'm uh, very excited about Lunette. Clive Neal uh, is the PI for the la latest discovery uh, proposal. But Lunette uh, originated from the idea of sending a network of small landers to uh, the surface of the moon. This shows um, one concept, but they're basically two different uh, mission concepts. You can have a common uh, stage that takes uh, like a, a, an ESPA ring with multiple, uh, let's say six small landers to a specific region of interest uh, uh, at the moon. And then above that region, it deploys the six landers and which only need to do a power descent, but they have a common stage to do the braking burn. We've looked at that approach, and that may be applicable to, let's say, a region where you've identified the high likelihood of, uh, let's say, polar volatiles, but you want to still have a local uh, geographical network, so something like this would be applicable. On the other hand, to do uh, more geophysical science where you want these landers to be distributed on much larger regions, 
then each one of them has to have its own breaking burn uh, motor in order to go through to very different locations uh, on the moon. So we've looked at both approaches, a regional network uh, of uh, small landers or a global network of small landers. We refer to both as, as uh, lunette. Uh, in this one uh, of the mission concept, this is a design of a lunette uh, lander. Uh, typically, this lander would be of the, just so you know, uh, the total mass, uh, landed mass, uh, dry mass would be about 120 to 150 uh, kilograms with a landed payload of about 20, uh, 20 kilograms. So just so you have a, a feeling for how much payload it might be able to uh, deliver uh, to the surface of the moon. This is the uh, mission concept that we studied. Now I can read it. Moon Ice Resource Abundance and Natural Distribution Assessment, Miranda. Um, this is a, a very uh, exciting and interesting uh, study that I said most, I think, applies perhaps to, to this workshop. We wanted to uh, take the uh, hypothetical that uh, NASA selects uh, uh, Moonrise for a New Frontiers science mission, and then how can we use the same lander and the same capability for future uh, missions uh, to the moon. In this case, we took uh, the uh, Moonrise lander and we put a mobility system uh, as part of the payload. So think of this as being part of the 1,000 kilograms that you can deliver to the moon. So this is, uh, many of you would recognize the frame and the legs of an athlete robot. So these legs are basically folded up and um, actually I think I may have it here. Um, it's the same thing. So uh, in this case, the, uh, the legs are folded up, the, the lander lands, and then upon landing, and so it lands on these uh, moonrise uh, lander legs, and upon landing, these uh, athlete legs basically unfold, and the secondary mobility system uh, stands up, lifts itself up, and, and drives away from this uh, lander. And um, it's designed, uh, the mission concept was to land close to, let's say, a crater, where it would be too dangerous for a lander to land too close. So this could be kilometers away from a, uh, um, a crater where you may think or expect there to be uh, uh, volatiles. And then this robotic system would drive kilometers away to the um, edge of the crater. And then it would deploy, uh, some of you may uh, uh, know about the axle robotic system. So there would be these two robotic uh, tethered uh, uh, vehicles that can be deployed and they can actually uh, uh, go down deep into a crater. They have a sampling uh, system uh, within the robotic system and then they sample and they can bring it back uh, to, the, uh, to the lander for analysis and so on. Um, we were particularly uh, interested in analyzing the capabilities from the point of view that the science community would want to go to many different locations to sample, not just one or a few or a dozen, but many, uh, meaning anything between 10 to 100 um, uh, locations. We were generally concerned that any uh, uh, result from a, a one or a few locations would not be uh, a sampling, uh, a large enough sampling to draw any meaningful uh, scientific conclusions. So we were under the impression that the, a lander like this or a mobility system would have to traverse between 10 to 100 uh, kilometers and go between uh, a dozen to several dozen uh, locations. So that's kind of what this was uh, uh, designed to do as a mission concept. And that's 
perhaps something that may be of interest to this, uh, to this workshop uh, as we go along. Um, another mission concept that is more recent, and by the way, if I didn't mention, I apologize, but everything I'm presenting here today and all the pictures and all the material has been published. And at the end of the uh, presentation, I have a list of papers that uh, anybody who wants to look at it can, can see. So each one of these, there's papers behind each one of these if anybody's uh, interested in, in learning more. Uh, recently, we've been working on a, a mission concept called Orion Moonrise, uh, first uh, uh, alone, uh, at JPL alone and now in the past year together with uh, Lockheed Martin. This mission concept again looks at uh, Moonrise, uh, or the, the future of Moonrise in terms of if NASA were to um, pick a, the, to, uh, a lander uh, after Moonrise is selected or perhaps if um, uh, NASA decides to do a directed mission where uh, a, um, a moonrise uh, vehicle would land on the surface and rather than returning samples back to Earth, would return samples to the Orion vehicle, which would be in uh, possibly in the Earth-Moon uh, L2 uh, orbit. So this was designed to be a combination of robotic and human uh, exploration, and this is a mission concept we uh, uh, um, pitch to both uh, SMD and HEOMD. Yes? Very good question, and, and uh, thank you for that question. So the question is, do I need to use the full 1,000 kilogram? So we've done a few things uh, with a difference, so clearly you don't need to. One uh, thing that we made uh, that is a, a huge uh, uh, windfall, because you don't need the, the structure for the sample return capsule, we basically said, how much more samples can you bring to the to the EL2 uh, instead of one kilogram as New Frontiers required. So we did the math and the analysis and it turned out to be somewhere around 30, 38 kilograms of samples. Well, the, that's a huge, a big deal for the science community. Instead of one kilogram, if you can return 30 kilograms via the uh, Orion, that's a big deal. The other thing that we were able to add here from a, a capability point of view is a rover. So we added to the, uh, the lander a rover, but a small-scale rover. It was uh, of the order of 50 kilogram or so. But there was, that still uh, left some margin uh, to, to, to play with. So this is just a, uh, a mission concept uh, in, a, in a normal uh, bat chart as we would show it. So in this concept, the uh, Moonrise lander and the uh, crew uh, uh, on Orion are, are launched separately. We actually did a a lot of trade studies here to see if they can launch on the same launch vehicle, on SLS, and so on. But just to make things simpler, we, we decided to launch them separately. So here's Moonrise, uh, here's the, uh, the Orion. And so Moonrise would launch before the crew and get staged in a staging orbit, in this case at uh, uh, L1, and just wait for the crew. Um, in this case, this is a, an older version. We weren't sure whether the, uh, there would be a human habitat uh, at that place or not. It doesn't matter, there could be or there doesn't have to be a human habitat. In, in the latest paper we published, there is no human habitat and the crew in Orion just goes into uh, uh, Earth-Moon uh, L2. And then once the uh, astronauts uh, are ready, they basically uh, give the go-ahead and Moonrise, the sample return vehicle, then is staged, uh, goes from the staging orbit and descends into the South Pole Aiken Basin. The nice thing is that the astronauts on board Orion have uh, quite an exciting kind of uh, set of tasks to do. They can perform the critical relay functions for the landing, 
and then they actually can do teleoperations on the surface uh, of the moon while the robotic arm is sampling. They can also provide the um, critical coverage for the ascent and then uh, actually perform the rendezvous and docking and capturing of the uh, sample canister and bring it back to Earth. At the next league meeting, which is coming up in October, we're presenting some new results on how exactly Orion would capture the samples and so on. Um, this looks terribly out of place, but, it's, uh, but you'll see that it's kind of not out of place. InSight is the latest discovery uh, competition that won. Um, and uh, the nice thing about it, what's relevant to uh, lunar exploration, is a lot of these uh, payloads uh, were the same payloads that were planned for uh, Lunette. This is the seismic uh, station and from IPGP with Philippe Lognonet. This is the HP Cube uh, uh, um, heat flow probe from, uh, from DLR. And InSight, which is the next uh, Mars uh, uh, mission going in, in 2016, it's a discovery mission going to Mars. Um, the nice thing about this uh, uh, mission, if, um, if this is going to work while I'm talking, is that this animation shows how InSight is planning to deploy the uh, instruments on the surface uh, of Mars. So here you see the, uh, the seismic uh, station. It's, it's uh, just a kind of a model representation of it. And you see the, uh, the, the, the top hat that goes on top of the seismic station. And then later you'll see the heat flow probe. But this is a very sophisticated and pretty uh, involved um, system of robotic deployment of scientific payloads <clears throat> on the surface of another planetary body. It's, it's quite challenging. Now InSight is going through uh, its final stages of the phase B. So there's a PDR uh, se uh, season going on right now with a PDR schedule for mid-August. But this is a, a, a involves scientific tethers uh, for both the seismic instrument and the heat flow probe. And it involves a large set of activities to do precision deployment of scientific instruments on the surface, in this case of Mars. It's a first time that anything of this sophistication is being done in terms of payload deployment on any uh, planetary uh, body. So a lot of this, these results, a lot of this experience will, uh, in my opinion, at least be uh, very much applicable to uh, lunar exploration uh, as well. So this was the uh, uh, deployment, the two-step deployment of the seismic station, and uh, you see the heat flow probe very uncomfortably close to the seismic station. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been a constraint in the animation. Um, so this is, uh, but it's, it's, it's a capability that clearly, uh, as I said, is, is applicable to, to lunar um, missions as well. I thought I'd put in a, a, a page here that uh, some of you may be following. NASA just issued an RFI oh, a few days ago, a few weeks ago maybe, recently uh, asking uh, the commercial industry primarily um, on uh, any information on uh, commercial uh, uh, landers for uh, lunar landers. And I thought I'd just give a little collage here of, of there's the work going on at JSC, at Marshall, and APL, at Ames and at JPL on different um, uh, lunar lander uh, concepts. They each have their different origins. Certainly each have uh, their, their merits and, 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 and capabilities. 
but I thought I'd uh, list that uh, certainly JPL is not the only place working on, on lunar landers. Uh, Ames uh, has been doing a lot of work, as, as uh, have other uh, NASA centers. Then I thought I'd uh, pay tribute to the uh, Google XPRIZE competition. There's at least, uh, that I know of, uh, half a dozen or more um, uh, commercial small businesses out there competing for the Google XPRIZE. At least a year or two ago, that number was about 20. Uh, I think it most likely is, is down a bit. But there's uh, most likely uh, only a few, uh, maybe a handful, uh, four or five uh, um, mission or companies that are that actually have funding and are making uh, significant progress. But this uh, competition still stands, a $30 million competition for the uh, uh, Google XPRIZE uh, to land uh, on the moon and uh, have a rover that will rove, I believe, 500 meters or something of that sort, take pictures. There's a bonus if you, they image a uh, Apollo landing site and things of that, of that sort. So this is uh, going on. and, and uh, uh, I actually was at this uh, opening ceremony, as was officially NASA headquarters uh, during this uh, opening ceremony. So this is still going on, and um, I think some of the earliest uh, launches are being scheduled as, as early as 2015. I don't think any, any uh, sooner. But it's a, it's a very tough thing to do. The $30 million doesn't uh, nearly pay for the full cost of, of, uh, of the development, so they clearly have to have other um, uh, uh, other business models uh, to, to justify the mission. So finally, I said I'd, uh, I'd leave you uh, with a justification for uh, this uh, nice uh, rendering, at least an artistic rendering. So um, I, I just want to share with you, this is something I presented at the League meeting in 2010 as uh, my uh, personal vision of the future. This is not endorsed by anybody, and uh, certainly not by NASA or JPL. But it's my personal uh, view and, and vision of uh, there being a robotic um, uh, uh, village, as I call it, uh, or uh, uh, a colony of robotic systems uh, on the moon as a precursor to uh, human settlement uh, uh, of the moon. So given that there are so many international agencies planning and going uh, to, um, to the moon, bringing samples or landers, orbiters, and so on, I believe it would serve uh, uh, NASA very well and serve the world very well if NASA would take uh, a leadership role in building an actual uh, destination, a location where the international robotic systems could actually land. This is kind of a, a pad, a notional pad, where they would actually land and build uh, power stations, uh, solar uh, plants, do some uh, um, actual development, uh, in-situ resource utilization, as Jerry knows. And anybody who has most probably a, a robotic system on the internet is somewhere in here. Uh, and um, so you see the robonauts and so on. So I believe uh, robotic systems can be used today very effectively to build shelters, to build roads, to uh, interoperate and exchange tools and exchange capabilities. And something like this would, in my opinion, be extremely motivational, it would advance technology, and it would build uh, habitats for future uh, human uh, exploration. So with that vision, I uh, thank you very much for your attention.